Rogue Radio. Now available on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. Keep it rogue. Hey guys, what's going on? Today we are of course brought to you by Rogue Country and Rogue Radio. Me and Alex Tempest are here for you every single week, dropping new episodes of Rogue Radio with brand new artists, cutting edge folk, country, roots, blues, all that type of music and also Into the Van is uploaded there every other Monday. Alex has got you back on Fridays, I've got you Mondays, we bookend your week perfectly, please go check out what mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country, that is the reason I found Casey Noel, she emailed rogue country to say hey I've got a new single out, page 52, which is brilliant, she wrote a really in-depth email, it was thoughtful, it was passionate and you know ever since then I've been a fan so I had to have her on, before that though I've had a busy couple of fucking weeks I went to Bloodstock in the UK, which is phenomenal. I saw Saxon and Judas Priest. Priest played Blood Red Skies, and I nearly cried. It was incredible. Then I came home, did this podcast with Casey Noel, and then back out to Wonky Donk Festival, where I saw the epic Moonshine Wagon and Hollow Belly. Time just seems to be getting away from me, guys, and it's just not stopping. I don't have a spare weekend, I think, for a while. I'm excited to be this busy, but, you know, every now and then you do need a break. It makes those nights on the couch even more sacred and I do really appreciate getting to watch films. I just watched Monkey Bone, which is a really fun film from 2001 with Brendan Fraser who deserves so much better than he has. Uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying those things. I've been taking some time. I hope you're taking some time to relax and find those things. But yeah, man, time is a, an enemy to us all and I've been cracking on with things and this podcast has been a sanctuary for me. It's given me something to do when gigs went on gigs are coming back i'm lucky enough to be opening for cam cole in liverpool on september the 8th at jimmy's i'm opening for nick shoulders at bolton in november i'm opening for otis gibbs in november in leicester i managed to play wonky donk me and moonshine wagon played until three in the morning in the tent just jamming it was incredible and i've been really blessed with you know we haven't had a ton of gigs but the gigs we've had have been brilliant thank you so much to everyone who's come out thank you to people who've picked up merch if you haven't listened to the next life Please do. I'm going to drop a teaser for you now. album i put my blood sweat and tears into that and you know i've been doing this for nearly five years and this is my first album and i'm so proud of it and i really hope you enjoy it you can head to mike333west.com and pick up your copy but you know let's get on with it guys casey noel is a true talent that you know is up on the scene she's a rising star she played floyd fest and you know it's just going to be on the up and up so listening to this podcast 
go check our music out you will really appreciate this talk and her music if you just you know combine the whole thing as she's a complex interesting person and this was a really great talk it was a really needed talk there's a bit at the end about being a woman in music and a woman in the industry that is really insightful and you know as a straight white guy i don't really know what the fucking answer is i don't know what we need to do to make this a more inclusive and welcoming place i don't know what you know the bar scene is that we can do to make things better where people feel safe but you know these talks are important to have because they will lead to conversations and solutions down the line that i really hope we can get to uh, casey was you know really inspiring for bringing this stuff up and sharing her perspective and it's really valuable and um, on top of that we talk about some amazing songwriting and you know this is just a really great conversation that i was you know thrilled and privileged to have so without further ado this is episode 38 of into the van with mike west and casey noel welcome to into the van with me mike west just briefly we were talking about festivals and things so you did floyd fest have you been doing any other festivals recently i haven't floyd fest was actually like i i did a um a festival forever ago um but floyd fest was actually like my first really big festival and it was mm. amazing and such a great experience um mm. so i'm hoping all things go well and as to plan that i'll be doing a lot more festivals coming up soon Awesome. And that was, you were on the rising stage where you for that or the new artist stage. Or, I can't remember the actual name of the stage. It was. Yeah. Like yeah. It rise. was called on the rise is like, uh, so it was, it was part of like, sort of, there were all sorts of artists, but they had a lot of um, artists called on the rise. So basically artists that are kind of still growing and aren't as well known yet. Um, so there were a lot of those. And then we still played all the different stages that all the other acts did. It was just, they also did sort of like a competition with On The Rise and um, whoever won got, gets for sure to come back and play the mm. main stage. Yeah. Oh, cool. And with that was, did you say that was your first real like big festival? Yeah, How like big festival. Mm. Yeah, there, there was a lot of people there. Oh, cool. How did you kind of prepare going into that? Did you change up the set to be, you know, festival oriented or maybe crowd yeah. participation oriented? Yeah, I I guess the main thing was really um, I would love to have like a permanent full band because um, I love a full band sound. Um, so like my EP is full band. So for the festival, I wanted to make sure that I was able to mm. uh, have a full band with me so that I could kind of duplicate that as much as possible. Um, and so I got a, a great band with me um, and we practice quite a bit uh, in preparation um, and definitely wanted it made a lot of the songs, not a lot, but some of my songs don't have any drums, um, but pretty much all of all of my set had drums included. So mm. some of the s slower songs, we kind of picked it up a little bit for festival um, kind of music, but for the most part, not really much changed. Mm. Um, but it was, it was super fun. I love playing with, with the band um, and the guys I got are amazing. So it was, it was super fun. Yeah. That's the interesting thing about festivals, I think, because you want to try and, keep it kind of more upbeat which i think sometimes can be hard for songwriters because one of the things i saw within the first few festivals is 
to keep the talking to kind of a minimum because as a songwriter <laughs> you kind of want to explain the stories behind the songs and stuff but some dude who's been drinking since 10 a.m isn't, <laughs> yeah. isn't really going to bother like to care yeah. about those stories so it's you have to kind of keep it short and sweet yeah with adding drums in was that conscious obviously you did the full band thing was it a conscious way to kind of liven it up and get everything going or was it because you had the full band it was just kind of you it was it was more because I just had the full band I wasn't for sure if I would even have drums on I think only like two songs on my EP didn't have drums um and my single didn't have drums but that was one that I knew wouldn't be hard to add drums but he was such a good drummer that he as we were practicing because we were all practicing together he just started adding a, a beat to some of the slower stuff and it ended mm. up sounding great so it was kind of just a natural thing that that fell into place with that oh cool and did you stick around the festival for the whole weekend see all the, the other bands so, so yeah so uh i think you got to stay whatever for free like the days that you played just because with with covid they did have a, more of a mm. limit on guests and stuff um so uh, I played two days and so I got to go to those two days for free, but I did myself go ahead and purchase like uh, I wanted to see the day before me as well. Um, so I definitely stayed around and mm. watched a bunch of different artists, which was super fun. Cool. Were there um, any highlights of the bands that like you'd been looking forward to seeing that you hadn't seen before? Yeah, I, I really wanted to see Katie Pruitt and mm. I got to see her um, and she's fantastic. I saw Molly Tuttle amazing um brent cobb was really really good too um yeah there were there were so many uh great artists there um but those those three were probably like the ones i was most excited about seeing um yeah it was it was such a cool experience that's so cool i know being in the uk we don't really get many country festivals like we yeah. get, there's a thing called country to country which has like yeah. more pop country acts come over and stuff and then yeah there's one or two like chris stapleton or whoever but we don't get like i always see the lineups like floyd fest every year just has a phenomenal lineup yeah and there's the, like the kicking it on the creek in kentucky and is it the key west one in florida yeah 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 like all of them just look absolutely insane and yeah like, it's one of those things where you look at those artists. If like two of them make it to the UK in three years, yeah. you feel lucky. Because I really yeah. want to see Katie Pro. She's been an incredible. Yeah, uh, she's awesome. She's awesome. Her that voice live is like insane. She's so good, and she's really, really nice. I got to talk to her for a little bit. Oh, um, awesome. yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I was, I was bummed I didn't get to see Billy Strings because he played Thursday and I didn't come till Friday. Um. I really wanted to see him and I heard he was like incredible, but yeah, mm. it was, it was a fun time. Cool. Are there many modern artists that you've been listening to lately or anyone that you've really been sticking to just like playing lots? Um, I, for like years now, I just, I've been listening to uh, Jason Isbell and Brandy Carlisle a lot. Those are like my two favorite um, artists. Um, but trying to think of anyone else I've been getting into I mean uh I've been listening to Katie Pruitt a lot um I really liked Sturgill Simpson's uh bluegrass albums that he mm. released um yeah Brandy Carlisle for me is like she's about to release a new album I'm really pumped about that one um but pretty much my main two that I I just always 
stick to our Jason Isbell um, and Brandy Carlisle. I also love the High Women, um, which Brandy Carlisle's in, um, and Laurie McKenna. Um, yeah, there's so many good artists out there. I listen to a lot of different stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, those were the ones that came to mind. Yeah, as what like are there genres outside obviously country and you know Americana, the singer songwriter stuff? Is there a yeah. genre that like stands out to you above those that you still listen to? Like lots. Is there another one that or other artists that you really enjoy out of those yeah. genres? Um, I like I like I can enjoy like all sorts of genres in terms of like specific artists. I don't really have as much. I will say I love Adele. I'm a mm. big Adele fan. I love her voice. I actually really think Bruno Mars is, I love Bruno Mars's voice. Um, and he's, what is that guy's name that he's coming out? Silk Sonic or something that duo. It's like R and B sort of. Um, but yeah, I think Bruno Mars is great in terms of like popish stars. Mm. Um, but I, I kind of, I like pretty much anything. Um, I used to actually be a Latin ballroom dancer. So I love some good Latin music. Mm. Uh, but yeah, in terms of what I listen to, I, I do mostly listen to the stuff that I, pl- the kind of stuff that I play, but I can pretty much enjoy yeah. listening to anything. Yeah. I always feel like if it's done with sincerity, I think that's always like the most important yeah, thing. Yeah. So that's for it, me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's too why I like like an Adele and a Bruno Mars. Like if I can feel what you're trying to portray in your voice, then I'm probably gonna like it. Yeah. Which is I think why I like Americana music a lot. I, I feel like a lot of the artists are come from a very genuine place and you can hear the emotion and feel it. Um, especially because a lot of their stuff isn't like super crazy, overproduced and messed with a whole bunch in the actual process of mixing and mastering it um and I, I really like that kind of sound yeah no I think I don't know if it was for you I remember for Isabel's last record reunions it took me a couple of listens to get into it because the production and instrumentation and like the way it was done was just so much of a shift especially against like southeastern and stuff did you have yeah. a hard time getting into that record when you first listened to it or I didn't, but I think it's because for me, I, I became a Jason Isbell fan a little bit later than like, it wasn't when his original stuff came out. Um, so I, I really liked it. Um, I'm also, I don't know. Did Dave Cobb produce that one? I, I think, think he did. so. I'm not too sure. I, 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 pretty much, so. I pretty much love everything Dave Cobb touches. Um, I thought it was a really, and and also I think um, anything that lets Jason shred, I'm for, because the dude can shred. Um, But yeah, I I thought, and honestly, lyric wise, it was definitely, I I totally get why some people were like, eh, but lyric wise, it was all the same to me in terms of how genius it is, like dream sickle, only children, I mean, so many genius songs. So, yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, but I, it was definitely a shift from like his his other stuff, which I I love both. I don't know. I I I think too. I come from it as an artist. I think sometimes it's really hard for non musicians when they listen to people's work that's um, that's changed like a very big shift from what 
and, and I don't even know that's a big shift, but like a shift from what yeah. they're used to hearing. For me, I think I'm because I make music. I'm like, well, if he if he's doing that, then that's what he's like really excited about right now. And I think that it translates like you're going to play better, whatever you're enjoying at the moment. So I'm like, I'm all for like the different changes and little, mm. you know, experiments and stuff. But I think, I think too, like with, when he was in drive by truckers, he was definitely more like rock. So I think he was kind of going, mixing what he did by himself and sort of um, what he did with them. I think with, reunions but I, I loved it yeah no i think that's a really important thing and i think you kind of hit the nail on the head when it's like it's the artist's decision to go those paths because if the artist isn't enjoying it then what's the point in them doing it yeah and you always kind of see that backlog probably the or backlash the thing i always kind of see the most recent one is obviously when Sturgill went to his full like rock opera anime thing and everyone was like what the fuck but it's like <laughs> he kind of warned you he was going to be doing this because he did like an album before that was all like a horn section and stuff and a concept yeah. record so you can't like keep those artists in a certain box and i think that's a really interesting way to be obviously with your yeah. influences and like the latin side of things and the americana side of things with i saw are you going into the studio soon or are you starting yeah i'm actually i'm about to go in the studio in september with actually the same band that i took to floyd fest it'll be the first time so in my ep and my single i did like a live take with me playing guitar and Mm. singing at the same time but then i had artists come and play on those tracks um but this time i'm i want to do like full live band um because the song that i'm doing uh is it wasn't supposed to be as upbeat as it's become but it's got this really cool it's a it's a murder ballad is what they i guess you could call it um so it's kind of a dark song and i was thinking it was going to be more like sort of like westerny but there's like some soul sort of stuff that the guys came up with in uh the band and it ended up sounding so cool at floyd fest so I was like, we should go in and do it like full live take to get that like really raw energy in yeah. there. No, that's awesome. Um, but I'm excited. Yeah. That's definitely, I think, the best way to capture. I want to bring in a band for my next record. And I think that is the way, because I know like obviously Stapleton did it for a few of his records, American yeah. Aquarium kind of do it like that. And it, there's something about having it in that live environment that I just think gives it a whole yeah. other, like thing. But that's Especially really if you have like a solid drummer. Yeah. Cause for me, I had gone, I actually gone and done just vocals and guitar for this song. And then I was like, I'm just, it's not working. And I had already been practicing with them a bunch for the festival. And I was like, I feel like one, I I typically do use a click track, but with this song in particular, I was like, this click track is throwing me off because my strumming pattern is kind of funky. And I'm like, if I had drums with me, and not a click track, I'd be on time and I would have a groove. But with this click track, I yeah. just feel like it's sounding not like authentic. Mm. It just, it's not sounding right. Um, but yeah, I love, I love a live, a live take mm. of full band. Yeah. Kind of and stuff. with going in September, are you bringing more influences into this record to like experiment a bit more? Or are you kind of, you know, taking what you did? with your first EP and kind of just like refining that to your own songwriter style? 
I literally don't even think about anything that I've done in the past when I go in. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. I definitely think it still sounds like me. Um, but yeah, I don't, this one, I, I definitely, I didn't really, I had an idea. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to keep the same full band sound is all I knew. Mm. Um, but I, I really was, I kind of try, especially with something that's going to be, well, I think originally the thing was I wanted to make it upbeat for the festival, like more upbeat. Cause I knew it had a range, like it, it could mm. go more upbeat. And I was like, if we take it that route, it'll be really fun. People at the festival will really enjoy it. But then I ended up loving that vibe, like for the whole. Um, so that was honestly my only thought going into it now. Usually I have more of an exact vibe idea. Usually I, I get really into that for when I go in the studio, but this one switched on me when I started doing it with the band. Um, so I think that's actually kind of, I'm excited about it. Cause I, I think they're, they're all of the guys they're, they're in a band called Jive Mother Mary and they're, they're fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. You should definitely check them out. Um, but they kind of like, they were having so much fun. It was cool to hear their take because for me I've never really had a full a full-time band or anything Mm. so most of my ideas are just my ideas um and I've had like people play with me um but these guys we got to be really good friends so we'd go practice we'd like jam for a while and like work on these songs and so they got really into the song so it was it was cool to be able to feed off of them like hey what do you like about this oh we should try this or whatever um but yeah, so this one is definitely more, whereas before it was just me kind of arranging it and yeah. stuff. This one is w- much more of a collaborative um, sort of project. So oh, I'm excited about that. That's so cool. And you said you kind of had a vibe going into and not just pretty words. What kind of was the mindset when you went into record that? What was the vibe you were not necessarily aiming for, but the vibe you had then? Yeah, I, I really just love anything Americana and songwriter together so I kind of wanted to to mix the two of like the energy of Americana and the feeling of like a singer songwriter album especially with like slower songs like my song seasons I really wanted that one in particular I was like the others can be full band but this one I really want to strip down so I kind of just wanted to keep where I could bring up extra energy I wanted to bring extra energy and I wanted that sort of country Americana feel so I wanted to add like fiddle some um mandolin an upright bass on uh, a couple of them um but yeah I was kind of like trying to find a good balance between those two feels Hmm. oh awesome and with I was reading on your bio about um you started off with a Spanish guitar and finger picking yeah did you go in with when you were writing Marshall and when you were playing that? Is that kind of with that influence of because I like when I was listening to that track yeah. today, it was that kind of finger picking style and that like delicateness and that like but it's a delicateness with a purpose, I think, with finger picking, which yeah. I really enjoy. Was that something from your influences back then? Yeah, all all the finger picking really comes from classical. Um and it's probably what I actually feel more comfortable like doing those kind of finger pickings a lot of times than mm. I do certain strumming patterns, I think, because I'm, I'm just I that's what I started doing. But it that was definitely influenced from my classical um, 
guitar for sure mm. and the latin me kind of yeah yeah awesome and growing up who were your kind of influences like what music were you exposed to when you were a kid all kinds of stuff um so my so my dad loved like earth wind and fire like that was like i tell you so random um and then my mom loved everything like growing up i listened to a lot of simon and garfunkel Mm. um ccr i mean some dolly parton just a bunch of random stuff but my dad really loved like the soul stuff um but i listened to a lot of like oldies from all different genres um the one i didn't get as much neither of my parents were into like rock that Mm. much so i didn't grow up listening to any of like the rock classics (laughs) much i did have like some eagles um but for the most part no super rock and roll kind of none of that wasn't like they were listening to led zeppelin or (laughs) anything like that um but yeah yeah i I think that has definitely helped because i was exposed to a lot of stuff um i think that's helped me kind of not stay in one sort of box even though i i'm pretty partial to americana i think at least my own stuff doesn't end up sounding like um each other like i don't have songs that sound like another song that i've written yeah so yeah no that's really interesting i don't know when i was a kid like my mom was probably the same as your dad whereas it was a lot of soul it was a lot of um michael jackson's early albums yeah the temptations yeah. and four tops and stuff but um, my dad, like, he was all Guns N' Roses and Kiss. and uh, Yeah, I didn't Sabbath get any stuff. of those guys <laughs> at all. It's so funny because that is, and I, I think at least all the all of the musicians that I've met who are, like, especially the guys that I know in the same genre as me, like, they listen to a bunch of that kind of stuff. And you can hear those influences and in, in their playing. Um, but I'm like, I don't even know if I could name <laughs> a song like i and now i do need to like go back and like do some some research like it's it just was never something that was i was exposed to and then yeah but i definitely yeah. think it's super cool and like I, anything i listen to now i'm like oh yeah it's sweet i like it i dig <laughs> yeah. it yeah but it is weird how it's kind of I, I include myself in that where it's like that rock and metal background did lead to a lot of people not necessarily switching over, but it's a lot of people who are inspired that type of music but can write in, you know, country, Americana, all country yeah. stuff. Because I know Brent Cobb was influenced that way. Obviously, Jason Isbell was and things. And it's weird to see how, because I didn't grow up on country music. I didn't listen to any of that until I was like picking my own songs and like actually discovered Johnny Cash and went down that rabbit hole. So it's yeah. weird to see people who had grown up with it. And I was always kind of jealous. Like I have a friend who's, you know, knows 90 countries. I'm jealous of that too. Cause I didn't grow up. I will tell, I we're on the same boat. I did not grow up with like the super, I, I had to do research on like, I think I did know a couple Johnny Cash, but, and some Dolly Parton, but I didn't know like Waylon Jennings. Yeah. I didn't know Chris Christopherson, like all those people that I, now my mind's blanking, but yeah. yeah. But that was the thing because I'd probably get crucified. But the first time I went to see Chris Christopherson in Liverpool, I went because he'd been in the Blade films. 
and I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go see Whistler. And I was like, oh, shit, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah, so I keep for- I, for- I always forget that he was an actor. So yeah. weird. <laughs> hey, you learned, though. Yeah. You still, you wanted to see him, and that still exposed you, so whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. And I felt bad because I got to meet him at the end of it as well, like really briefly. No way. Yeah. And it was like only because he literally he got taken off the stage by his handler and literally walked to the tour bus. But as he was ending, I ran down from where I was. I just ran outside and got to the tour bus as he was coming out. So one guy took a picture with him and I got a CD signed. And I was like, fuck yeah, I met Whistler. And now I'm like, holy shit, I made one, met one of the best songwriters who have ever lived. <laughs> yeah, that dude <laughs> is insane. Yeah, that's crazy. I met, I've met Emmy Lou Harris. Oh, really? Yeah, yes. And Richard Thompson. He's was over. That, yeah, was that part of a songwriting camp? Yeah, I did. Uh, he does this camp called Frets and Refrains. Um and I got a scholarship to go to it and it was amazing. Um, yeah. And they did, uh, it was, it was him. Uh, they had a lot of other people. Um, Patty Griffin was there as well. And then his son, Teddy Thompson. Um, but yeah, all of those, his whole family, super great, talented people. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. That was probably one of the coolest experiences of my life for sure. How did the scholarship and the songwriting camp come about? Uh, so I, I think I saw somebody post about it on Facebook about how it even existed. Um, and it's like, you can pay to go to it, but it's very expensive. Um, it's worth it. Like what you pay for is you pay for like being able to stay where we stayed and food is included mm. and it's like all included, but it, it was expensive. I was in college at the time. So it was like, can't afford it <laughs> just of my own. Um, so I entered, they had like a scholarship uh, program where you had to, they had a bunch of questions. You had to write um, some really detailed responses. And I think you had to send, I think maybe two videos of like some songs that you wrote and you singing them. Um, and so I sent it and I was able to get I think like a partial, I think like half of it paid. Mm. And so then I, I, I paid for the rest and I, I went, um, but yeah, it was, there were like a hundred and something people. Um, some paid, some got scholarships like I did. And it was just such a cool, it was from like nine in the morning to like five, you'd be going to different, basically like sessions Mm. you got to choose who you would be going to at what time and stuff um but yeah it was it was amazing um exhausting but amazing yeah was it hard to stay in that songwriting and creative like mindset for so long i can imagine that would take it out of you to be like in that headspace the entire time it was you know it wasn't like we were forced to write songs it was Mm. more like kind of we got to hear and ask questions and like in our free time we could write songs. And then some of the, some of the people who uh, you could go to their session is not the right word, but I'm blanking on it, but you could go and like hear from them. Some of them would like be like, Hey, if you come back to our, this session tomorrow, like I would love for you guys to have a song, but there was never any pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't all just songwriting. Um, I think 
one guy, I don't know if you know, his name's Tony McManus. He does like, he's an incredible, like, um, Scottish Celtic music Mm. sort of, um, player insane, but he just taught, uh, guitar, uh, super intermediate guitar. (laughs) Like I, I sat in on a class just to sit in on a class with him. And I was like, the tunings that that man would yeah amazing but yeah it wasn't all and there was some vocal um courses there was even one like on the history one of the guys that was one of the teachers um his name is happy trauma and he used to play with bob dylan Mm. a lot um and kind of was there during that era of time where all these artists were popping up and doing that kind of stuff so he did like a really cool um history of music kind of one day so it was like we got a bunch of different stuff we had straight songwriting courses we had you could go take guitar um uh that happy trom um guy also did like finger picking uh styles with bob dylan songs he did um different levels of of finger picking too so we had a lot of different options that we could do so I, I didn't get tired of anything really. It was nice to be able to like hear and ask questions from people that were so um, genius level mm. at all of this stuff um, and then not feel pressure necessarily. It was just like a really, it's it was an environment where you could learn whatever you wanted to really, yeah. um, but you would get intense lessons and mm. all of those things. Yeah, that's incredible. But with those songwriting camps, was there anything you took away from that that you're still really using today as, you know, mantras or guides for when you are songwriting? Yeah, I think probably the two that stuck out to me the most was um, I I had I had gone up and asked Richard Thompson because I was like, you know what? He was like standing off to the side and I was like, I have this question I'm going to ask. I mean, you we could talk and like, he was a very much around and everybody was like really chill. It was really cool. Um, but he definitely, since he was like, I mean, he's Richard Thompson, people were a lot more shy to like go and like have mm. conversations with him, not in like a classroom setting where you're like raising your hand and like yes. whatever. This was like right after one of his um, courses. And I, I went over to him and I was like, because it was one of those questions that it would, it, it wouldn't have gone as well if there wasn't back and forth. Mm. Um, and I just asked him, I was like, cause I'm a slow songwriter. <laughs> and I was like, I feel like so many people write songs really fast and I have this idea and maybe it's right. Maybe it's wrong. Um, but a lot of people tell me to just like write songs. If you start one, just force yourself to finish it in a day or in a week or whatever. Um, because even if it doesn't turn out, like you like it you can go back you can edit it or get all the the muddy water out and get all the bad songs out of you or whatever which I've always hated that idea and I I told him that I was like I've always hated that idea and it just doesn't feel right to me I was like if I'm stuck on a song what are your like if you get stuck on a song do you think you should force it do you think you should give yourself a time limit like force it then come back to it he's and he he told me he was like you know I don't think you should ever force it um, he's like, what I always do is I always have multiple songs going at once, or at least ideas. He's like, if you feel like you're just really stuck, 
he's like, go on to a new one. He's like, get yourself out of a routine that you're in. He's like, write. You know, I think a lot of times we tend to write at certain specific times. He's like, there was a period in my life where I was writing and I would wake myself up at three in the morning and force myself to just come up with at least one song idea. I would at least give myself five minutes where I had to write one line, whatever it was that first came to my head. And then I could go back to sleep. He's like, but I would do these like different things to like get my brain just in a different state and thinking in ways that I wouldn't be normally just because I threw my body with this like crazy sort of trick of waking myself up or writing at a different Mm. time. He's like, so you can do that, like that extreme. He's like, or you can just make sure that you have different stuff going at the same time. He's like, but you should always have at least one song that you're working on no matter what, like, even if you're not actively like writing for something specific, he's like, just have one song that you can go back to. Mm. Or I guess technically that'd be kind of like two, one that you're like actively working on and then another idea that you can kind of go back to. Um, So I thought that was really, that was really helpful for me at the time. Um, And then uh, the other advice that I got was from his son, Teddy Thompson. I showed him one of my songs um, and he really, really liked it. And he was like, I like that song. He's like, because you talked about a subject that could be cliche, but you said it in a non cliche Mm. way. He said, as a, as a writer, you have to earn your right to be cliche. (laughs) So he's like, you can be cliche all you want in terms of like your idea because at the end of the day, you want people to connect like with your song. Um, so there's a lot of ideas that everybody has written about. He's like, but if you come across it at a different like way than somebody else, that's that's when you're allowed to do that. And that's when you are allowed, when you do it and you do it really well is mm-hmm. when you're able to do it um, in a way that other people haven't done before or that's very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I I definitely think about that about earning the right to be cliche. Like, okay, sometimes I'll be like, I don't know if I like this subject because it just seems so well done or like, or or used. Um, Actually, that's kind of how I thought about um, page 52 when I started it. Cause I think I started it just um, with the line, literally the first line, did I misunderstand you? Or was I living in a dream? And I was like, I know like where this song is going. I was like, but I, and I know what it, what it's about, but I don't know, maybe I shouldn't keep going with a song, but I kept getting like, that was the only thing that would come to my mind when mm. I was like trying to write. And so then I was like, okay, well, let me just try and write this topic in a different way. Mm. Um, and then I started thinking about like being on different pages from somebody and like doing that with like talking about being on different pages of a book. And then uh, some people get into relationships really fast. So don't dive in if you're just going to, be like, oh nope, never mind, and let the other person drown or whatever. Um, so it was one of those things that kind of reminded me that artists use really normal subject matters, and um, you you make them interesting and unique and special with how you write about it. No, that's I th- that the cliche thing. I think is a really important one. I'd never really 
thought about having to like earn it because like I've been wary of things. Obviously, being in the countryside of things, you know, every other person has a song about whiskey, shit like that. And it's like, how do you approach something like that without it just becoming, you know, paint by numbers, a cliche and stuff? So how does yeah. it earn your cliche? Is such an interesting thing. Are there any songs that you've been kind of sat on and kicking around for ages that have finally clicked? Because I know I've had like I've had a chorus in my head for about three years and two weeks ago it finally clicked in how to do it and I managed to write like two verses in the chorus of it and now I'm back from a festival and things I'm gonna sit down and hammer out has it been one that's kind of been you've kicked around for a long time yeah I think seasons when I wrote it I was like it took me like months and months and months it wasn't it wasn't a year but it was it was at least over half a year where I was working on that song probably um which ended up being, I think, I think it was sort of the song, not, it wouldn't have been, I don't think I would have written it the same way if I had done it in like a couple months. Mm. Cause it, it was definitely, it's called seasons. And I think it turned out the way it did is cause I, I let a couple seasons go by as I was writing it. But yeah, that one was one of those where I was like, and I, and I was really happy with like, I think I had written like the first verse and I was like, there is I I'm I'm there's nothing else I literally I cannot think of anything else to add to this and so then I would come back like five months later and I was like oh okay and then finally I finished it I think it took me like nine months um but that was definitely one that I had that was just like it took me forever and but every time it was like little sections where I would get like this like oh okay and like (laughs) I would get stuck again and I'd be like I thought I thought I was getting somewhere, but I did finish it eventually. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Like it is hard when you have like a phrase or you know a verse, and then it's. I think it's harder as well because if you aren't in that kind of Nashville songwriter studio where you have to crank out songs, like I released an album last year, you did as well. So it's not like you're really in a rush to write new material, and especially yeah. with you know live shows not being a thing you don't get to road test them so it is kind of what's the not necessarily the point in writing a new song at the moment but there's no sense of immediacy or agency to it when you can just kind of sit with what you've got and yeah make sure they're the best they can be yeah for sure yeah um and that's that's actually i think too what's what was cool about this one that i'm about to go in because i actually was able it's a new one and i was able to actually like really test it with a full band and everything mm. um but yeah it's it's songwriting so weird it's so yeah. weird it's like the most bizarre thing i, I like I, it's so fascinating how everybody approaches it differently and how it's like you wrote it and then sometimes you finish it and you're like i wrote that <laughs> like i don't even re it's it's very weird but i love it it's probably like my favorite part of of being a musician and also my least favorite all at the same time. Cause sometimes I just get real frustrated. Yeah. Um, but I like it cause it's a challenge um, for sure. Yeah. Cause I read on your bio that it was at 17. You had a guitar to you to that, like encouraged you to start songwriting. And before yeah. you hadn't really thought about it. What was the kind of thing that made you click about songwriting? Yeah. I was just, I think too, for me, like my, my family like never knew really that there was any sort of music scene other than like mainstream. Mm. And I've never been the type that like, 
don't even really like, like, I'm not going to, I don't like Coliseum shows. I don't like, like, I love music for the connection. Yeah. Like I love a big concert with like thousands of people, but not like that. Mm. I want there to still be this, like, where I feel connected to the artist on the stage and vice versa. I don't want to be watching you from a screen, but in the same room as you at like a Coliseum show, like I'd much rather just watch a really high quality YouTube video yeah. of you at that point, you know? So that was also something like I, that I wouldn't want to, I don't like, I don't like the performance. Like I, I like the performance. I don't like the whole like sort of acting that comes involved with, some of the like more mainstream yeah. stuff like if you get music like i don't know if you do music like i i was like i don't want to be like dressed up in these like weird outfits and like <laughs> dance like i love to dance but that's just like if i'm doing music it's like about the music like yeah. it's not and when and i don't i respect people that do that and i i can enjoy people that do that too but me personally i was like i can't see myself doing that also i don't want like I couldn't imagine having that level of fame and like not being able to walk out my front. Like none of that sounded appealing to me. And I didn't think that I was like, I love music, but I don't even, there's no other option. Yeah. So why am I going to like pursue this? And I also, I don't really think that I knew that people wrote their own songs. I think I just heard people wrote songs for big artists really. And some of the big artists wrote songs and I never, it never even dawned on me. Like you could write a song, Casey, you sing and play guitar. Like you could write yeah. a song. So until he said that it was like, Oh, huh. Yeah, sure. And then I started like doing some like open mics and some gigs and I met different artists. And then I really started like, discovering different types of music and different artists who were like big but at a small level mm. like they had a following they made a living doing what they love to do but they lived a pretty normal life um and they played really cool venues and I was like I, I think I would really love to do that but it was definitely I discovered it like along the way because I, I had no idea that there was any other side to the industry besides this like machine which mm. is i think too like i just don't like the machine that is like pop culture like i i i couldn't be an artist who people were telling me what i had to write about and yeah. i can't i can't like I, I don't work that way um so that was never appealing to me or like tell me what to wear what to like yeah just yeah so until he kind of pointed that out to me and kind of was like, well, you could do open mics. You could do these. Once you get more comfortable, you could do gigs. And I'm like, you can do that and you can make money doing that. And he's like, yeah. So it kind of all just happened naturally after that. That's so cool. I think it is like when you see it as an accessible thing, you aren't just seeing it as like icons in a stadium. You aren't just seeing it as like that inaccessible thing surrounded by paparazzi. But when you see someone, on a small stage and you know they make a living from it you're like oh that's attainable that's you know within reach it's a really yeah. weird realization when you finally have that but something you just touched on then was you know not having a PR team not like having people tell you what to say and things I found you out because you wrote to the road country page with easily the best like summary and best email we've ever received in terms of you know this is who I am this is what I do 
this is you know would you like to play my tracks yeah do you write all that yourself obviously you don't you don't have a team to like write yeah me and my mom do that stuff together I'm really lucky that my mom is like we both kind of manage my stuff Mm. um so we'll like both write things and then edit them together (laughs) um but yeah I'm not like I'm not opposed like I would love there's so many aspects of what I do now that like if I could have someone do it and me not touch it I would be like take it but in terms of like songwriting and like stuff for like pop artists it's like so intense you really don't have any say um but like like if someone ran my social media I'd be like yeah go for (laughs) it dude like knock knock yourself out do it because I social media to me is just like I like it for the connecting, but I, I don't like always feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to keep putting content out and yeah, but, and, and, you know, I emailing venues and stuff and all that is not always, I mean, that's not the part that I didn't become a musician to send emails, but you got to get good at it. Yeah. Not like you love it. You have to think of concise ways to say things and, you know describe yourself in your music so that Mm. when people read it they're not like reading something super crazy long or something way too short where you're like I don't even understand like what you're what you're selling me with your music or whatever but Mm. yeah yeah no 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 team just me and my mom yeah that's so cool and I think it is weird because obviously no one ever tells you it's like oh so you want to be a songwriter and you want to you know play shows and things 80% of it's admin like no one ever tells anyone that when it's like, oh, if you enjoy songwriting, bag I go to have to post like every day on Facebook and Instagram and shit. Yeah, it's there's so much that goes into it that people just like don't think. And I remember that used to be like when I first decided I wanted to do that. I think that's the hardest too, because you definitely lose a lot of people in your life because people just don't get it. They're like, oh, why can't you go do this or why? what do you mean you're busy doing email? like I'm like well I I have to play places like yeah and and then also people who just like think you're not doing anything they're like what do you do all day and you're like you have (laughs) actually no idea how much goes into it like I'm sending emails I'm also me personally I know some artists well I think too for me I want to not just be playing like local places but I I memorize my whole set list and there's some some gigs that I play that are like I I hate a three-hour gig I won't lie but I play three-hour gigs and I'm I have all three hours worth of Mm. material memorized more than that but yeah I don't want to like I play better if I'm not looking at anything yeah so I have to stay fresh on all my stuff and then I do covers but I I also am would like to eventually not do covers so I'm also writing songs while learning you know it's just so much goes into it. So. Yeah. No, I remember when I used to live at home and I was first starting to like write songs and book gigs and stuff. And my mom or dad would come past me like, you're always just on your guitar or on your computer. And I'm like, that's essentially <laughs> what a musician is. It's either you're on the guitar or you're on yeah. the computer. Yeah, I'm very lucky in that uh, my, both my mom, def- both my parents like are supportive, but my mom like actually like gets it. And so she'll, she tries to do as much of, um, email stuff as she can for me even though she has another job she's like I don't I 
would rather you be writing songs and practicing mm. and stuff than writing emails and and she knows i hate it um so i'm lucky in that too and just that they uh believe in my music enough to help me and mm. yeah so that's awesome sure. i think that must be like it must be a really like helpful and a lovely thing that your parents like support you because i know sometimes parents just like there's a disconnect and they don't really get it but yeah. to have like that support system must be really nice and obviously supportive and you know just a really wholesome thing to have for you yeah for sure and I think for me I I, I certainly wouldn't be where I am right like I wouldn't have music out I wouldn't I wouldn't have played Floyd Fest without them because honestly like where I the area that I am in particular like there's not that many musicians like my age that I knew mm. so I it was and I think being a musician can be really lonely to begin with, especially if you don't have a band. Um, so for me, I, I, when I really started doing that, I was like, literally nobody gets it. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then you're trying to kind of make progress and start playing places regularly. And, you know, it's also one of those things, not everybody's going to like your music. You have to know that. So it's like, I grew a, a thick skin and I also, for a while was didn't have a lot of musician friends didn't know a lot of musician people that I could talk to um but I had like my mom being like she's very honest and she's like I would tell you if I thought that you couldn't do this <laughs> like I would be like honey maybe like you should find a different a different thing this is not she's like but do you have something you can do this and has always been like my biggest encourager um like I, I definitely because I I definitely for a while I used to was like I don't even think my songs are good I couldn't figure out I was like is my is my mom just being nice to me and like my some people are being nice to me because I didn't have people in the industry that I could really put put it in front of mm. for a, for a long time um I had like some guitar people but when I started like writing actual music a lot of the people at the time in my life were like yeah we never listen to lyrics but that sounds good and I'm like no I need like <laughs> you know and so it was like I I for the longest time I just felt like and I still feel like this to some degree I'm like what am I like there's just no direct path it just feels like you're walking yeah. stumbling blindly um but yeah without her I I definitely and I mean yeah she didn't know anything about the industry either we both were just like let's Casey come on let's do this but yeah, I, I definitely don't think I would be, I'm, it's not a thing. I know I would not be doing what I'm mm. doing if I hadn't had her like pushing me and supporting me um, along the way for sure. That's amazing. And like going back to what you're saying about like it not clicking in like your local area, I had kind of the same thing. Like weirdly you'd assume it was the opposite because I live just over the water from Liverpool, like five yeah. minutes away. And Liverpool's obviously got this huge reputation as a music city. Yeah. But I've never really fit into that type of thing. I always say if I'd have paid attention or only been able to gig locally, I would have given this up ages ago. And there's a whole thing yeah. where it says you shouldn't tour, you shouldn't gig outside of your hometown until you can bring 250 people to a home show, which in this day and age, I think is like ridiculous for this type of music. So it wasn't I until I started traveling yeah. further that I started learning like, oh shit, like other people are getting what I'm doing. Where did it kind of click for you? Did you start traveling further from your hometown to play shows? Yeah, I my hometown in particular is very, the scene there is like 
I, I, I can't even explain it to myself, much less try to explain <laughs> it to you. But it's like, first of all, it's kind of monopolized a little bit, which mm. I, I mean, I, I understand that there's people that have been playing for years. And so they play at the regular places, but it's very hard to get in. Yeah. As, but like at my age, I'm 25 there's been people, there's people who are like, have been playing since they were 25 at these places. And so it's like, and then it's also a very jazz scene mm. and there's a lot of jazz musicians in, in the area. Um, but there's also just not as many like people. And I, I, I don't know, I maybe it's all places but there's weird competition i feel like mm. and I, I don't like that because i think there's space for everybody but you know it's just it's bizarre but once i started kind of like even going just like 40 miles mm. or not 40 miles 40 minutes away from from my hometown an hour or two hours or whatever then i was like oh okay like you you meet different people and it, it, the scene is a little bit different um I don't know. I just immediately always got way better reception from places that were not my hometown. Um, and I, I, I think, I think it's the opposite now. I think you should try and play not in your hometown as much as possible. Cause mm -hmm. I think, you know, people, I don't know. I think people, you know, people think actually higher of you when you're like, Oh, they traveled some, you yeah. know what I mean? And meanwhile, your hometown's like, Oh, who are you? you know it's yeah. very bizarre i don't get it i'm not i don't think it's right at all but i was actually talking um with my electric guitar player about this exact thing because he was like the other day he's like yeah hometown gigs are just i just he's like i i know this one is gonna be packed but i just never the reception is just never what i want at a hometown gig mm. he's like and and then he's like it's also so hard for me to book at hometown places and i'm like yeah tell me about it so i think i think it's 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 a lot more common um but i i've had somebody tell me like who's who does really well in in music tell me like yeah no you just gotta you gotta just you'll never make it in your hometown you have to come back to your hometown when you make it yeah that's yeah i'm glad to hear that it's not just like a liverpoolian thing and all the scousers hate me no yeah it's always a nice thing but it is one of those yeah, no it's it sucks everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah um i think i think too it's, it's weirder as a female mm. i i used to not go in like when i first started music i was like i think people just say that like oh it's harder to be a female. no it is it sucks like i it's there's so many different things that like i have to worry about that like my guy friends who are musicians don't have to um and just treatment like i i've had so many like ridiculous interactions with like other bands where it's like I'll be up on stage and they like a sound guy will go talk to the bass player mm. or something and not and then like it's like okay or like just or I'll be like saying oh I'm getting major feedback up here and the sound guy's like yeah no it should be fine and I'm like no the whole stage is shaking like yeah there's something is really not right here and then the guy to my left will be like, uh, so she, we're getting major feedback in the sound guy's like, oh my God, I'll go fix it right now. And I'm like, 
okay like and things like that where I'm like okay I can't like this has happened enough to where obviously the only difference is that I'm a female and they're not because I can say the exact same thing and you're gonna ignore me um and then just feeling like I think too uh like I I I, these guys that are in my band uh, they're not my official I would love for them to be my official band but who they back me anytime they can and they did Floyd Fest these guys have been like the first guys that I have felt like we like have treated me like we're the same mm. level we do the same thing and like not like I'm some girl like oh no she's fun well like same level like we do the same thing I think sometimes people treat women musicians like they're not going to know certain things yeah um, and then if you don't know certain, like for me, I'm like, there's certain, like sound is not my main. I don't know that much about sound. I know the very bare minimum, but I try to not let that be known because if you show weakness, I feel like then your people, okay, you're weak in other areas too, as a musician. Whereas with these guys, I could like actually ask them questions and they'll be like, oh yeah, so this is the, and I'm like, oh, okay. But I don't always feel that comfort yeah. level of like being able to like ask and then not be like okay yeah she doesn't know anything kind of thing yeah um but it's it's very strange as a female too and i think it's harder to find a band as a female as well mm. for sure because it makes traveling more difficult yeah. if they have significant others you have to be like i literally just want them to play with me i'm not trying to steal your man like yeah i try and turn into a bro i'm like what's up <laughs> Yeah. But then that's it's a shame. So com- yeah. But then that's a it's shame so as well because you have to kind of alter your personality, even though there's no ill intent there. It's still all these hoops that you have to jump through. That's just bullshit. Yeah. It's there's so many things that people like like I, I get so nervous meeting like people's girlfriends. So because I'm like, oh and and I actually like as a female, I get it. Mm. Like I I can get where that would be weird, but at the same time, like uh some like actually the electric guitar player i met his girlfriend we she's like the coolest like i was like oh thank god because i like want <laughs> you to keep playing with me because her her boyfriend's incredible he like shreds and i'm like he's like, so so good and i'm like if i meet her and she hates me he's not gonna play <laughs> with me anymore and it worked out but yeah it is it's it's such a weird dynamic of like and it's like i get it too like i get it as a female and I mean, I even see like, I don't know, it's it, the whole scene is bizarre, but yeah, it's just one of those things. It's like, I could be, I've had it where I'm like, I've met somebody like people's and I'm not even playing with them. It's like we're, we have a gig and they play mm. right after me or whatever. And I meet their girlfriend and I can tell they're like, don't talk to him. <laughs> like we're, you're not going to be his friend. And I'm like, I, okay, <laughs> yeah. you just get that vibe. It's just bizarre. And then too, like for traveling, like, guys can travel and feel a whole lot safer. I, I really don't like going to gigs by myself a, wow. lot of, a lot of the times. So like, I, I typically like, I'm lucky that my mom loves to come to gigs with me and stuff. And my family likes to come. Um, because I, a lot of times if there's not a sound system, I'm setting it by myself. I'm tearing down by myself. That takes a while. I'm carrying things to the car. It's night and there's weird people out there. Uh, and I don't like to put myself in like positions where yeah. I could, not be safe so it's like so many things that make it harder as a female so but it it also makes me want to do it more it's like okay 
it grows you or whatever but sometimes it's like oh my gosh I give up it's shit that you have to like have your resolve tested that often yeah all the time because obviously you know you want to do you want to be there but to be in those situations like I know like if my fiance like I don't want her like going to gigs on hair and I wouldn't want her to go through those things but it's one of those things where if you are a musician you have to do those things but to feel that way and to not have basically to not feel safe in that type of environment is fucking appalling but it's yeah tragic how like rife it is like this festival I was at on the weekend is a huge metal festival and I went with my fiance and two of her girlfriends so it was just me and three women and I didn't like them going anywhere on their own because I yeah. know the, what men are like. And obviously I'm not being a fucking, not all men or what I'm not trying to be like that person, but it's, you know, that there's a threat and you know, there's a risk. Yeah. Especially when the yeah. alcohol is involved. Yeah. That's my thing. Like at a bar play, or a club or yeah. something. I play breweries, which like breweries here are typically like pretty tame, but like, I don't, when alcohol is involved, you just never know sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had like a bunch of situations, but I also don't want to be in a situation and I'm alone in that, yeah. in the one time, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'd rather be safe than sorry. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's, it's just, it is like a, a thing. And, and if I have like a band with me, then I'm not nobody, like, I'm not worried about it. They can help me. They're not going to, I, whoever is going to be my band or my friends are going to like, not going to let anything yeah. happen to me, but if I'm by myself. Um, yeah, I it's just a different a story. Yeah. It's just weird. Um, but yeah, it's also too, like, for me, I think a lot of, at least most of the people my age in my area are, are who music are men. Uh, and I like want to have music friends and it, it has been more difficult to have like people I can talk to about it. Mm. Cause there's like, it's just, look, as I was saying, like some men just don't think that there's just a different thing. And, and I will say like, I could be included, like, I don't. I men they're gearheads female musicians are not so much I don't care I think it's hilarious I love to listen to guys I'm like sure whatever sounds cool that's an that's a cool pedal man like I don't know but (laughs) I can talk about anything else besides that um and now I do have quite a few guy friends and and female musician friends but like starting out I, I felt like I was like man, I would come have a beer with you guys and like chat about music. Like I never get to talk to any, like I'm just yeah. here by myself, like a nerdy out in my own head about music. But yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, it's such a strange thing. I remember years ago, I read a book by him. Um, there's a band called White Zombie from back in the nineties. And the bassist it was Sean Yossel, this uh, girl bassist. And yeah. the book, book's called I'm With The Band. And it's basically just an account of what it's like to have to deal with those people on a regular basis where, you know, she got told she was like a groupie when she was carrying a bass on and you were like, do you even know how to play that? And then she'd literally be walking onto stages. Like people were trying to tell her not what, like what to not do and stuff. And it's to have that still be so pervasive in an industry and still have just those constant battles. I can imagine like, it just must be exhausting as a woman in the industry and a woman in music to have to deal with those things all the time on top of, you know, at this festival, I saw constant fucking creeps trying to get on with like my three friends. And it was like, like there was one guy and he came up to them and was like, can you take a picture of me? So they did. And then he stood there for five minutes and they didn't realize he kept on standing there. And I was just staring at him because I knew what the motherfucker was thinking. 
and they didn't realize yeah. that until I was talking to them like the next day. I was like, you do know that guy was like trying to like st- start something because he stared at you for another five minutes afterwards and he went, really? And I was just like, it's always just an environment of like, there's not necessarily always a threat, but there's always the potential of something. Yeah. And it's just got to be exhausting all the time. Yeah. I, I think a couple of weeks ago, I, I opened for, I don't know if you know who Lily Hyatt is. Yeah. She's really awesome. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. And <laughs> she's so sweet. I was talking to her after the show and we were cracking up because like, I don't, I honestly don't really get offended by it anymore. I just am like, it's frustrating at times. Like I rarely think about it. It, it. It's like something like as soon as I started, I saw how it is to be a female musician. And I'm like, it is what it is. But there are days where I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm going to like bash my head into the wall right now. Yeah. But I, after after the show, I went up to her and she's like, yeah, this this man just came up to buy some merch. And he was like, you know, I don't usually like female artists that much, but I really loved all the, the, the whole lineup. Y'all were great. <laughs> and she was like, and I was just like, thanks do you realize what you're saying and who you're saying it to? Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. But it was, I thought that was funny. Cause I was like, that's people were like, they said that. And I'm like, Oh, people say stupid stuff like that all the time where they think it's a compliment, but yeah. you're like, yeah, you play great for a gal or some shit like that. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> I just, for it's like, that was an amazing show. And I don't even like, going to female artist concerts that much and you're like yeah well at that point it's like why even add that at the end yeah. you that what what was the point like it doesn't add it doesn't change the fact that you like the concert right you said you liked it mm. what do you, what are you uh, it was just added for no reason it's so bizarre people are yeah. so weird sometimes yeah no it's but, ba- it's just absolutely baffling like all the stories i hear of shit like this it's just absolutely mind-boggling that it's still a thing and it's still like when those type of backhanded compliments just drive me insane so i can't even imagine to be on the receiving end of those you must want to shoot somewhere every night i think it's funny i think it's funny but i think it's ridiculous and it would it makes me mad like if it was said to somebody else and like it made me mad it was said to her and not me because i'm like dude you bought tickets to her show yeah what are you thinking like why like okay like did you go like thinking it was going to be bad and you could make fun of her like i don't understand what the point was to even say that like you paid for a female artist ticket you obviously liked her music but you don't typically like female like what it just makes no sense i will say and this is the one thing that i think the coolest thing even though it sucks being a female musician a lot of days is i know i can tell who the really good musician guys are better than the good musician guys can Mm. like there's I like there's easy ways for me to be like oh that's a great guy and that like because I one day I would love to have a band with me and I mean I would love to have some females in the band too but there's probably going to be a guy in my band or whatever like I can pick who is a really good guy and who very easily just because there's certain like little things that people would do where I'm like, mm-hmm. and then later they'll do, and I'm like, yep, I <laughs> knew it. And then other things where it's like, for me, one of the easiest way to like be, to tell if, if a, a guy musician is like 
a real like just a, just a good human being <laughs> is if they get excited when there's like a female in the band if they make a comment like all the nice guy musicians will be like hey do you see that like, to their buddies to their guy friends they'll be like do you see that drummer she was badass I love a female drummer like and this is coming from a male drummer saying mm. that and it's it's that's usually when you can tell it's like one they can they know that there's people who they know that it's harder already as a female drummer and two they're like they think it's really cool and three they're like supportive of female artists yeah. if they listen to female artists usually or or if they're like how they interact with females in general yeah but i i see it and i also experience it so i can like I can pick out good, good people in an industry, I think a lot easier, mm. um, which I love. Cause then I end up being able to meet like some of my favorite people on the planet are people that I work with in the, in the music industry, like the studio engineer who mm. I work with Doug Williams. It's like one of my favorite people ever. And I picked him based off of how comfortable I felt when I went and like tore toward his studio just the way he interacted with me versus how I had gone to some other studios where I felt like it just was it wasn't that they were necessarily being rude but it was sort of just I didn't get like that organic sort of feel of like where he was like what do you want to create it was and it wasn't necessarily talking about like how long it was going to take it was like well can you like send me a playlist of like all the songs you really like and like production wise and stuff like this and it was like a very back and forth and it was very level playing fields in terms of like he knew I'd never recorded but he didn't treat me like I was dumb but he also was educational Mm. like he he taught me things in a really cool way and yeah so I think I look at things a little bit differently and yeah. And now I, he's one of my favorite people and I picked him more, more because of that kind of stuff than anything else. And then, I mean, I also knew he did great work, but I think at the end of the day, like relationship with, with even like with a band, like if you have a good relationship with your band and they're solid, I don't think it matters. Like you could have the best band in the world, but I, if you don't like get along with them, well, I think that's going to translate on stage and in, in a recording. Mm. So I do think it's helped me because I play with people that I genuinely really like. And I work with people that I genuinely like know are good people. Mm. So yeah. I'm not I'm, saying like men can't judge that, but I'm just saying like, I get to like, I can tell the top of the top really easily in yeah. terms of like genuine good guys. Yeah. It's so it's when someone makes you feel like head and valued without exactly. like, without wanting anything for themselves. There's no ulterior move, I think. Yeah. Cause I know as a guy, I can spot a guy after something from far away because I was a fucking creepy teenager myself when I was younger. So I can see when people are being weird. Yeah. I can be like, I did that shit when I was 16. You're yeah. 30. Pack it the fuck in. Yeah, but but you're also self-aware and you yeah. it's obviously you're, you're a good guy. So you can probably be like, okay, this is the opposite of me. So <laughs> you suck, you know? <laughs> but some guys I get dazzled, like especially if it's a really good, like I know some really good players who are like total douchebags. And I'm like, <laughs> which ruins it all for me. I'm like, I could care less how good you play, dude. You suck. Like yeah. I just 
you suck. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And then, it, and my thing too, is like all these guys will be so nice to like, especially like if there's another guy who's very good, but who is a nice guy, he's not going to see this other good guy in a negative light. If he is only interacts with him and doesn't see him interact with other people, because yeah. this guy's going to be super nice to him, but he's not always going to be super nice to me or to people around me. So I get to see that. Yeah. So mm. yeah. it's, it's a weird world we live in yeah, as musicians. It's so tough to navigate. And it's, again, like it's been a really interesting conversation is because, you know, I've had quite a few women on the podcast, but to not really go into that, because it's sometimes you don't want to be like, sexism isn't in the industry, explain. Yeah. Because it's once you start pulling that thread, but this is a really interesting conversation because it is one of those things that's always there. And it's something that you do need to highlight, you do need to address because- it is like you said when you know that good person is in the room with that person and they don't see it at that level they need to be aware of how they do conduct themselves with other people because if yeah if you want this to be an inclusive genre you want this to be an inclusive yeah. thing you need to know if people aren't feeling safe or aren't feeling yeah. valued or heard yeah and to like pay attention i think too like a lot of people like a lot of really awesome people that i i work with pay attention to how other people like how they're treat like how they're treating me and so they'll like pay attention to that yeah um and i think people need to be more aware of that because they the good guys out there might not always be aware of things or paying attention but there's some really good guys who i know if they saw it and were aware of it they would be the ones to maybe help these morons be like do you realize how rude you're being or do you realize you're looking at something like this and it's not shouldn't be like that or whatever? Hmm. Um, because I definitely think there, in terms of music, there's, there's definitely a sort of bro mentality. Cause for me, I've, I, I talk about this to my mom all the time. I'm like, you know, especially like there's, it's, there is a huge number of male musicians. And I was like, you know, there's f- very few male musicians who I'm like, acquainted with who would go see a show of mine but i see them go support all of their buddies constantly because it's like what's up they're not gonna go like i know that i learned that really fast like there's a lot of people that and and i mean a lot of them are gigging too but i know like they're going there they go when they're free and they go see their buddy if i'm playing they're gonna go see their bro buddy not their casey buddy (laughs) so it's like one of those things where it's like you know, you do have to, it's nice to make a conscious effort of that. Sometimes I like get, it, it means a lot to like us as female artists to like have support from like male artists in that yeah. way too. Um, Cause I think sometimes it's easy to feel like you're overlooked, even if you're not, but it's like showing up to somebody's show is like, means a lot. Um, and I think, that's always been like a, a, a one of the main things I've seen in the scene for me anyway. It's like other other musicians, like they'll go see their bros all the time. Have they ever gone to see me? Yeah. Not really. Um, and that kind of sucks. And I'm like, I don't know why that is. Cause like you, unless you're lying to me and you, you're telling me you like my music and you don't mean it, which also that's a problem. Just don't yeah. even reach out and tell me you like my music. Don't share my stuff if you don't like it. 
genuinely. Um, but it's just weird. It's very weird, but it is definitely, and, and too, I think for me anyway, um, it is like, I love trying to find new female musicians for me. Cause for a while too, I think the other reason I didn't do, I didn't look into music and the way that I'm doing it now is cause I didn't really like, I didn't see that many females with yeah. guitars who were actually like playing. I remember in high school um, when I really started getting into Brandy Carlisle, she, I think it was when she was touring with Firewatcher's daughter, that album. Um, and she was coming to my area. And so I um, bought tickets to see her And it. I don't know if you've ever seen her in concert, but she's like one of the best performers I've to this day, I've seen a lot of people hands down, probably number one best performer I've ever mm. seen. She like runs up and down the stage. She shreds her voices, like the energy that she brings. I've never seen anything like it. And I just remember being like, a girl can do that. <laughs> oh my, like, not that I didn't think, yeah. but like, it was just like my first like of seeing it like that. Yeah. And like, I was like up front and I'm like seeing her and I'm like, this is, I, I was like freaking out. I like had never seen anything like that. Um, and that's when I was like, yeah, I can do this. I want to do this. If I can do that, then I want to do that. That's yeah. so cool. Um, but yeah. But yeah. then a lot of guys will watch that and not realize that, you know, they're also doing it in like heels and shits as well. Cause I know I'm a huge hailstorm fan and then Lizzie Hale is obviously the singer of that. And she wears like heels that are taller than like Paul Stanley's and she's on yeah. bouncing on one leg and she's running around and stuff. And it's like, not only is she shredding on a guitar, yeah, girls are... heart, she's doing it in like 10 inch heels, which no guy could do without snapping his ankle. Yeah. Girls are, girls are tougher than people give us credit for especially i i did i gave i was like complaining so much at the festival because i was like wearing a dress and i was like i was like it is so annoying that you guys are just wearing pants and you can just bend down normally and not worry about like flashing anyone and they were just cracking up at me because i was like sorry guys give me like five minutes while i bend down in these like heels and then get in because like I mean, technically, I don't have to dress that way, but I am one of the people that, like, if I feel like I look good, I play better. And I also, like, it makes yeah. me feel like a rock star, so I'm going to do all the annoying extra stuff that they don't have to do. Like, I'm going to put on makeup. I'm going to do my hair. They can just, like, roll out of bed, put on... Honestly, they can put on a T-shirt. If you put a cool <laughs> hat on, you look like you tried really hard as a dude if you put on a cool <laughs> hat. Yeah. Even I'm like, wow, like, Wow. Oh wait, he's literally just wearing a cool hat. <laughs> yeah. But I'll be like, "Wow, dude, you look really cool. What did yeah. you do?" Oh, hat. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But even then, I know if there's a picture of me in a hat, it's because I haven't washed my hair and I couldn't be asked washing my hair. And that's like <laughs> I can't wear hats; they make my head sweat so much. <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, then I'm stuck in it the rest of the day, especially at a festival." Because I'm like, "I want to. I don't want to look like somebody goes, oh, I saw your set, and I look like disgusting.'" <laughs> so I'm like, "No, I'm not." And also, I feel like I move my head too much, and then then I feel like the hat's gonna fall off. It's yeah. too much thought that I have to put in, even though my mom loves when I wear hats and she gets so she's like why don't you wear that hat it looks so cool and I'm like because I do care what I look like to a degree but 
not that much. That's <laughs> too annoying. I just cannot. I cannot. But it does look, it, they do look really cool on stage. Yeah. That's just where I draw the line. I'll wear heels. I won't wear a hat. I'm done. I draw the line. Yeah. Well, Unless it's some yeah. special hat that has like an ice pack in it. Oh, yeah. That'd be a really nice one, just like, and it's got like, but I think that's kind of pro- maybe getting to one of those like builder hats with the like straws and stuff on it. And it's like where yeah. the like, functionality and there has style to be again. a way. There has to be a way to like make a hat really cold, trademarking that right now. <laughs> yeah. If anybody hears this, I will sue you. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I've taken up a lot of your time and I don't want to keep you too long. This has been an amazing chat. Thank you so much. Yeah, but- this has been super fun. Yeah. But will have you got any plans to come over to the UK at any point? I would love to come to the UK. Actually, I know the band that has been playing with me are probably coming there. They have been there. So you should definitely look up Jive Mother Mary. Um, They're great. Great human beings and badass musicians. Mm. Um, Yeah, I would love to come out to the UK. I hear, apparently, I don't know, but everybody says the UK really loves Americana country artists. Yeah, they really love American americana and country artists it's harder because obviously with rogue country and stuff it's we're trying to build a scene here of uk artists yeah and it again it might be the same thing as you know where like they just give a shit more if you traveled so it's like, <laughs> yeah i i didn't mean american i meant americana but yeah. i guess american does yeah but with americana artists it seems that it holds more weight if they are actually american or they are you know yeah. necessarily like european coming over to britain because i know hey y'all like, have yola yeah true and yola's but she's done really well in the states and it wasn't until she did well in the states that people in the uk started to give a shit exactly and you know brandy carlisle is the one who like really helped has helped her a bunch too i I freaking love yola i was supposed to see her in like may when covid not this may but last may when covid was crazy and i was Mm -hmm. so bummed that that got canceled but i I, she's insane i love her but I know for yeah. a fact, like if you came to the UK, everyone would like absolutely like show up and you know they just I would love to. Over you. Yeah. Apparently, Jive Mother Mary has done like a European tour, and they said just the reception there is like so nice. And they said it's like a different, even the bar scenes are different. Like people like actually really come to hear the like if they're coming to hear the music, they want to hear the music. And they're like not getting necessarily trashed all the time yeah. or, or they're like, yeah, they just, they, they were like, it's just, it's, it's different. It's so nice. The, mm. like the different, he was like the manners. I think he was like, he's like, I can't remember what he said. He said something about, he said like, as soon as they finished, everybody just left. He's like, usually people stay and get like hammered, but they were like, all these people were just here for the music. <laughs> they left. <laughs> he's like that would never happen here <laughs> everybody would just get like hammered and then leave at like forever but he, they were like yeah everybody's like well the show's over and like we really just came to see to i mean to, to drink some but like we came to see you guys and they were like wow <laughs> <laughs> like people here like at a brewery like those they'll, they'll come to see the band but there's also i don't know that's just not necessarily the mindset yeah. all the time. I'm not bashing Americans, but <laughs> be, yeah. Yeah. And do you have any tour dates planned for the US to like travel around? Um, I'm hoping to, I'm, I'm currently talking to some people about getting out um, to Tennessee. Um, I think I'm playing um, in Nashville, but it's for like, 
it's sort of for Americana Fest or it is for Americana Fest, but it's not like a, because of COVID they're doing more of like a live stream mm. thing. Um, so I think that's the 24th, but other than that, I mean, I have a bunch of dates around North Carolina, um, but I'm, I'm hoping to get out of North Carolina um, in the next couple of months. Mm. But that's the other thing. Ironically, right when COVID hit was when I was like, yeah, I need to like start getting out farther. Yeah. Um, and where I felt like I was able to, and then COVID hit. And then like, I literally could not. Um, but yeah, I would love to get out farther. There's a lot of places that like, I've had people like want me to come out to Colorado. I'd love to go. I would love to play anywhere really. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I get to play, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. And honestly, I, I, out of if it's out of North Carolina, I'm, I'm I'm pumped. Not that I don't like North Carolina, but that's pretty much the only places I played um, are in North Carolina. Yeah. So to meet new people and reach different people, yeah, that's exciting to me. And there you have it, folks. That's episode thirty-eight of Into the Van, Into the Bag. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this, please go leave a review wherever you are listening. That really helps things. And keep on supporting the music you love. Keep supporting the things that you love. I'll be back with a brand new episode in two weeks. In the meantime, go listen to Rogue Radio. Go listen to the Next Life, and keep on supporting live music. Go to shows if you can, if you feel safe, if it's safe to do so. I've got a lot of tour dates. Go to mike333west.com forward slash shows. You can find them all there. And I'll see you on the road, my friends. Stay safe. Peace.